This episode is brought to you by Auto Trader. Look around. What do you see? Cars. Lots of them. And guess what? They're probably on Auto Trader. Whether you're into timeless classics or the latest trends, if you see it on the road, you can likely find it on Auto Trader. New, used, electric, and one day, maybe even flying cars. See a car? Find it on Auto Trader. Visit autotrader.com to learn more. Regular gum is boring, but Icebreaker's ice cubes are different. They're fancy. Icebreaker's gum has flavor crystals, which deliver a rush of cool, refreshing flavor. Plus, they are delightfully cube-shaped, making them soft and satisfying to chew. Icebreaker's Ice Cubes Gum. Ooh, fancy. Pick up your favorite flavor today. Some families were born into. Some families are made from the ones we meet along the way. Our families are built on love and traditions, the memories we share, and knowing that life is better because we're together. Pure Life, 100% pure quality water, refreshing every moment together. Visit purelifewater.com and discover where to buy Pure Life. This is ridiculous. We started May 94, man. We've got every F-stop known to man in the film. <laughs> And right now, we got to take action, man. We got to go out to that field, put those scarecrows in on a killer slant. You know, they've been there for years. The farm's burnt down. It's going to be the opening shots for Coven, you know? And uh, what is Coven? Coven's a 35 minute direct market thriller film shot on 16 millimeter black and white reversal. Uh, it's uh, an alcoholic man compelled to go to this group meeting by his one and only friends left, but they're not that helpful, the group, you know? You know about the group thing? Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's what we're doing a film on. Coven, man. We got to get this sucker done, though. Seriously. Hey. So if you haven't seen American Movie, a documentary from 1999, then do yourself a favor and check it out. The film depicts the hilarious and sometimes depressing saga of a wayward young guy from Milwaukee named Mark Borchert. Quote, An aspiring filmmaker's attempts to finance his dream project by finally completing the low-budget horror film he abandoned years before. Borchert calls his low-budget horror film Coven. It's Coven, but he pronounces it Coven. It's pronounced Coven, man. What else could it be pronounced? Uh, Coven, uh, that's the proper pronunciation. No, 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 Coven, no, 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 no. Coven sounds like oven, man, and that's just, it doesn't work. Oh, no. Excuse me one second. This album called... Did you ever see this album before? 
This is a Chicago band. You never saw this before? No. This album came out in 1969, played the Black Arts Festival up in Detroit, featuring a guitar player named... That's not the same one. No, Oz Osborne. <laughs> first track, first side... Oh, my goodness me. It's called Black Sabbath. And this band is one of the first that did, like, satanic masses, black masses on records. This has no connection? Not at all. Isn't that amazing? Well, here it is. Boy, Whoa. did I think I was going to ace did on this. Did she spot something? <laughs> <laughs> well, however, you know, got to take these crazy. Isn't that wild? And that's from 69? Yeah. We, we were there first. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they all say. We were there 67, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but under the name Earth. Yeah, but with 68, it was, then it went to Black Sabbath. Oh, you're saved. This record came out in 69. Within about 20 minutes, we have Phil Collins taking home more with Tony, and you have a special guest coming yeah. out in a little bit. So stay with us. Coven is into witchcraft. They will destroy your mind while they weep your soul. Coven has recorded an album. The album is called Witchcraft. The music is the essence of diabolic power and contains history's first recorded satanic mass. In the name of Satan, the ruler of Earth, Coven is into witchcraft. They will destroy your mind while they weep your soul. Witchcraft is Coven. Incredible to hear, but dangerous to use. Available now on Mercury Records and Ampex Stereo Tapes. So when I was thinking about putting this episode together about the band Coven, I couldn't help but hear Mark Borcher in my head pronouncing it Coven, and it made me smile. Coven sounds like oven, man. I suppose it's possible that Tony Iommi was not aware of the band Coven during Black Sabbath's early days, but when Martha Quinn asked him about those weird coincidences in the mid-80s that Coven's bass player went by Oz Osborne, and the first song on the album was called Black Sabbath. Maybe Tony had forgotten, but I doubt it could have been the first time that he had ever heard of Coven. The two bands reportedly played a show together in 1970, and at the time they had record label affiliations, Vertigo and Mercury. And when writing for Rolling Stone that same year, 1970, Lester Bangs actually labeled perhaps derisively, Black Sabbath as, quote, England's answer to Coven. The band Coven was formed in Indianapolis in the mid-60s by singer Esther Jinx Dawson and bassist Greg Oz Osborne, who first met when they played together in a band called Him, Her, and Them. Jinx Dawson was born on Friday, January 13, 1950, in Indianapolis, Indiana. She liked to claim that she was born on Halloween. I guess being born on Friday the 13th wasn't sinister enough for her. One account I read claimed that she had a twin who did not survive. The tragic delivery was supposedly performed by a Dr. Jinx, J-I-N-K-S, after whom her mother gave her her middle name, Jinx, J-I-N-X. Ironic that the doctor and the baby were named Jinx, 
if her twin really did die in the womb, as the story goes. Jinx Dawson came from a wealthy family whose heritage went back to the Mayflower. Her family's wealth meant a childhood filled with ballet, piano lessons, opera training, painting, and strict etiquette, but also, apparently, the occult, as her parents and some relatives were supposedly members of the left-hand path. A quote from Jinx Dawson, My world was a mix of post-Victorian and the wealthy country club set. As a teenager, her vocal talents were recognized when she was awarded a scholarship to study opera at the age of 13. But it was around that same time that she developed a taste for rock music. She spent a couple of years playing with a local rock and roll band, where she first met Greg Osborne and a drummer named Steve Ross. Later, the three regrouped as Coven, and she had a chance to bring all of her interests together, singing, rock music, and the occult. A quote from Jinx Dawson, I was really more from an opera background and studied classical piano. I was fairly unfamiliar with all the rock bands at the time, but became bewitched with the idea of performing an occult hard rock opera when I started Coven. The trio was eventually joined by a guitarist named Chris Nielsen and a keyboard player named Rick Durrett. They started playing around the Chicago and Illinois area. This is 1967, 1968. Another quote from Dawson. Three of us rented a place in Chicago in the summer of 68 as a guitar player was from Chicago. She was also doing some radio advertising and jingle work at the time, and it was during this period that they connected with a Chicago-area record producer named Bill Trout, who had founded the Dunwich and Wooden Nickel labels and produced many popular Chicago bands of the time, including Styx, The Shadows of Night, and The American Breed, among others. Trout negotiated Coven a deal with Mercury Records and helped them book some choice slots opening for the Yardbirds, Vanilla Fudge, MC5, and, appropriately, Alice Cooper. One thing that set Coven apart from other U.S. rock bands in the late 60s was that they definitely were not hippies. They were one of the first, if not the first, rock band to incorporate black magic and devil worship into their music. They were fascinated by Satanism and the occult, to whatever extent. They were reading books by... Anton Xander LaVey and Aleister Crowley, and it was from those books that they got the idea of making satanic rock and roll. And their band name, Coven, came from an old-fashioned term for a gathering of witches. They were all interested, supposedly, in witches and demons and the devil. Another quote from Jinx Dawson, The satanic thing actually was something we were interested in and were studying at the time. When you're younger, you're looking for answers, and a lot of members of the band were looking into the same books at the same time. We studied it. We practiced it. In essence, Coven seemed to be interested in scaring the squares. This included during live performances. One stunt they allegedly attempted, the band members being carried out on stage in coffins from which they emerged. They were also rumored to have rigged up a cross so they could crucify a roadie, and then the cross would gradually tilt until it was upside down. Another quote from Dawson, I had always been involved in the family magic, that's magic with a K, since I was a child, 
and it had always stormed around me like a warm friend. I grew up quickly around the old ones, my two great aunts who were left-hand path adepts. I stayed and learned at their mansion as much as I was allowed. I soaked it all up, and it became a passion. Their magic was infectious and powerful. When Coven first signed their contract with Mercury Records in 1969, legend has it they signed in their own blood. It's up to you which of these stories, if any, you believe. Nonetheless, all of this sinister theatricality, would it come across on the band's recordings? Producer Bill Trout called on a veteran guitar player he knew, Jim Donlinger, to help write, arrange, and co-produce the album. As Donlinger recalls in his own book, Space Traveler, quote, These young people, who incidentally always wore black, claimed to be real witches. I kind of laughed this whole thing off at first, and quite frankly took on the project only for the money. I didn't really believe in this sort of foolishness. Bill brought me a large box full of books about witchcraft and related subjects, he told me to read them and start writing some songs, so I took them home that very evening and began perusing the books. I'm not exaggerating in the least when I say that a power came over me that evening unlike anything I have ever experienced to this day. Sometime before the sun came up, I had completely written all the material requested for me for the entire album. I had a strange and surreal sense of satisfaction as I went to bed. Coven also contributed one or two songs to the project. As we rehearsed and started recording, I noticed that Bill Trout was more excited about this endeavor than any of our numerous past undertakings. Donlinger actually brought in some of the album's darkest compositions, but in the end, he was too scared to commit to the venture and left the band before the album was even pressed. A quote from Jinx, he wanted his photograph to be removed from the cover of Witchcraft and left the group just before the album printing, so we obliged him, though he is still pictured on the gatefold inside. He was wary of the album content and was not practicing left-hand path as the three of us were, so only three remained on the cover. Of the recording sessions, Donlinger remembers that the final track, Satanic Mass, quote, lasted about 15 minutes, Part of this satanic mass was saying the Lord's Prayer backwards, along with other babbling incantations. At this point, I was starting to get really freaked out and feeling ill, so I excused myself from this part of the final session. There were people who I had never seen before coming into the studio that night to record this revolting abhorrence. A couple of days later, I was told that my presence was needed for the album cover photo session. I reluctantly went to the photography studio on the evening of the shoot, Lying nude on an altar was a blonde model with a human skull on her chest filled with what appeared to be blood. I was asked to be one of the thirteen hooded people standing around the altar, while the high priest was holding an ornate dagger, as if to suggest the beginning of a human sacrifice. It was to be a fold-out album, and this chilling and realistic photo would appear inside the cover. Rockin' Mountain Pinnacle A 
gathering of dread and awesome spectacle, each in his hand a candle of black, their faces grave, a death-like mask. The prince assumed the person of a goat, reigning upon his throne, distant and far remote. The cauldron boiled and the fires burned. The evening shadowed to figures cover of the album entitled Witchcraft Destroys Minds and Reaps Souls depicts the three original members of the band with the logo surrounded by flames. Jinx is holding a skull. On the gatefold, the male band members are clustered around an altar, all of them wearing black robes adorned with inverted crosses. One of them wearing a creepy mask. Laid out on the altar is Jinx Dawson, naked a chalice between her breasts, another human skull covering her crotch. The guys in the group are leering down at her. They're all making the devil horns hand gesture. This may seem like an insignificant detail, but Coven have been credited as the first rock performers to popularize the gesture. Even before the release of the album, Jinx Dawson would make the devil horns sign at the end of every show. Many years later, when Gene Simmons tried to trademark the gesture, Jinx Dawson threatened to sue him, stating, quote, It was meant for all to do, though it is legally grandfathered in to me for use in music by all the history. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store 
or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. As for Coven's actual music, it wasn't very heavy. There's a lot of piano, organ, weirdly tropical-sounding drums, guitars that never bludgeon or riff the way you think they would. Ironically, Coven's music actually had a lot more in common with hippie groups than anything like Black Sabbath. They sound like a satanic Jefferson Airplane. For She can see through your disguise Then you know that she's the one that had you hypnotized Everything she touches dies Everything she touches dies Everything she touches dies Everything she touches dies Jinx Dawson placed the blame for this elsewhere. Quote, 
The engineers would never allow the board meters to spike into the red, which was a constant battle. I even had to manually splice tape myself. They were not yet suited for rock and roll. I was the leader, though a young female leader, and I did not get my way on the mix. Our live concerts were much louder and more raucous, and we had spent much more than the recording budget, so we were never allowed to put the guitar solo on White Witch of Rose Hall. The lyrics to most of the songs on the album were actually not written by Jinx Dawson, but by Jim Donlinger, who was simply attempting to play a role with all the satanic, occult imagery. For example, the lyrics to Coven in Charing Cross, the first verse, quote, 13 cultists had a secret meeting, bringing powers of the darkness upon those who opposed them. 
the chief of the circle drank the blood of a young baby offered unto him they danced ecstatically they orgied frantically till the demon had arisen from the circle on the floor thirteen cultists held a secret meeting bringing powers of a darkness upon those who oppose them the chief of the circle known as Micaiah drank the blood of a young baby offered unto him they danced ecstatically they orchid frantically the demon had arisen from the circle on the floor the chanting was much louder and more piercing than I'd say the heaviest song on the album is Dignitaries of Hell, The Most Sinister Portrait.
According to Jinx Dawson, the song Wicked Woman, quote, was written during a ritual and manifestation that was performed after I decided to name the band Coven in 1966. There had to be a consummation of a blood oath that we took to release certain esoteric information through music. Yeah. 
Personally, I don't like the Coven album. The satanic angle is fun, but the music and the vocals, it's all pretty lame. When the album came out in July of 1969, everyone, the band's managers, promoters, the band themselves, they all had high hopes. None of them could have imagined what was going to happen one month after the album's release in August of 1969, The Manson Family Murders. The demented followers of Charles Manson viciously murdered seven people. The shocking, high-profile crime had many reverberations. Scary Satanists were no longer just eccentric or weird. Shock no longer had value. In March of 1970, Esquire magazine published an article about the Manson family called Evil Lurks in California. Coven were actually mentioned in the article, people who hadn't taken any notice of Coven or their album were now howling that Coven's music incited people to murder. People demanded that Mercury Records pull the album. Then, to make matters worse, supposedly, I haven't seen it, but supposedly a photograph surfaced of Charles Manson actually holding a copy of the Coven album outside of Tower Records. So Coven, who were really almost probably play-acting, their satanic occult stuff. Now they're connected because of timing. They're connected to Manson and the Manson family murders and Mercury Records pulled the album. So I guess it's an example of be careful what you wish for. They wanted to be noticed. They wanted notoriety, but not this way. It was supposed to be shock rock, a band with a memorable image, a shtick, some dumb songs with a gimmick, Scary, but in a Halloween sort of way, not in a homicidal cult of bloodthirsty maniacs way. So the gimmick worked too well. By the end of 1970, the band broke up. A quote from Jinx Dawson, The bands that came after us in the 70s and 80s never recognized us at all. That was how the business was. You never said where you got things. The music might not have been quite the same, but the occult situations were there as well as the photographs and lyrics. At the same time the band was breaking up, Black Sabbath surfaced with their self-titled debut album, and basically they did maybe what Coven wanted to do, but way better, and their music was actually heavy. So unlike Coven, they had the goods to back up the imagery. The music and the imagery worked well together. Coven just sounded like Jefferson Airplane. I mean, obviously, I don't think Sabbath were influenced by Coven at all. It's probably just a coincidence that 
The first song on the Coven album was Black Sabbath, and their bass player was named Oz Osborne. Hilarious coincidences, but I would say coincidences. So after being dropped by Mercury, Jinx Dawson moved from Chicago to Los Angeles, and after a year of wandering in the wilderness of show business, finally a piece of good luck happened. She was approached by a filmmaker named Tom Laughlin. This is in 1971, and he asked her to record the theme song for his movie Billy Jack. So Tom Laughlin was a counterculture, independent filmmaker. He was a political activist. He asked Jinx Dawson to sing this song for his movie. So Jinx actually got back together with the guys from Coven, Osborne and Ross, based the rhythm section. And uh, there's also an orchestra on the recording, the same orchestra that recorded the film score, and they record this song called One Tin Soldier. And it actually became a hit, made it to number 26 on Billboard in the fall of 1971.
Regular gum is boring, but Icebreaker's ice cubes are different. They're fancy. Icebreaker's gum has flavor crystals, which deliver a rush of cool, refreshing flavor. Plus, they are delightfully cube-shaped, making them soft and satisfying to chew. Icebreaker's Ice Cubes Gum. Ooh, fancy. Pick up your favorite flavor today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, One Tin Soldier is very different, obviously, from the Coven album. It just happens to be the song that Jinx was hired to sing for the movie. She had nothing to do with the creation of the song. The lyrics of the song were written by Dennis Lambert and Brian Potter, a songwriting team from ABC Dunhill Records. Uh, They had previously, those songwriters previously, their biggest success had been with the Four Tops. But having a hit song obviously revitalized Jinx Dawson and Coven's career. So the band's back together. It's 1972. They get another record deal with MGM Records and release a second Coven album. This time it's self-titled. And it's more of a 70s rock album. No songs about witches or demons or the devil.
you know, Coven had a difficult time with the first album, with the backlash, with Manson and everything. But the second album, anybody who was actually into the occult aspects of the first album must have viewed the second album as a complete sellout. But they're trying to capitalize on the hit single, One Tin Soldier. The album has more of a generic 70s feel as opposed to the generic 60s feel of the first album. album failed you know was not successful but they kept going and by 1974 they had another record deal with buddha records and they release a third album called blood on the snow and now they're kind of combining the imagery of the first album with the sound of the second album more of a heavy rock sound they're moving it to a heavier direction <laughs> Oh, yeah. Don't call 
The album was produced by Shel Talmy, who produced The Kinks and The Who. And there's some catchier songs, and there's some sinister rock songs. The title track has pounding drums, howling background vocals, not much in terms of lyrics. So, Blood on the Snow, the third Coven album, another flop. Then Jinx Dawson tried to launch a solo career. She put out a single in 1975, produced by Kerner and Wise. These are the guys who produced the first two Kiss albums. And the single is called Driving Me Crazy. And it's actually a song from the first Emmett Rhodes album called Fresh as a Daisy. The chorus has just changed from Fresh as a Daisy to Driving Me Crazy. So by 1977, Coven had broken up again. Jinx Dawson now tries to launch an acting career. That doesn't work out. And in the early 80s, 
She's designing clothing. She's started by making elaborate rhinestone-studded jeans and jackets, selling them at Hollywood parties. Cher and Robert Plant bought clothing that Jinx Dawson designed. Jinx actually starred in a movie in 1989 called Heaven Can Help. Short drink, master. Thank you, Vera. This has no life. This is old. Master, I thought older would be better. And young, fresh, innocent blood to rejuvenate me. I can get you anything you desire, Master. That's why I'm here. One of our followers is about to convert to the other power. The angel William has been sent to steal him from us. He has a young, innocent son, pure, fresh. That's the blood I want. That's the soul I want. Just show me where he is, and I will bring him to you. I need more than force to possess his soul. Master, if I had my youth and my beauty, I could accomplish this mission for you. Vera is an old witch. All she knows how to do is clean and sweep the floor. Shut up, you idiot. The power that I had when I was young and beautiful, I could accomplish anything. Better. Vera, what would you do if you had your youth and your beauty? I don't know, Master. I haven't given it much thought. Master, make her a rock star. Shut up, foolish child. That's, <laughs> That's the best idea you've ever had, Marcel.
Glad you came over. Have we met before? Uh, no, not until now. I'm Vyra. Uh, Vyra, you look so familiar. Have I seen you before in the club? Oh, maybe. We play here sometimes. I'm exploring the possibility of moving here in town. Oh, well, maybe I can help you with your exploration. I mean, real estate. Are you married? Uh, no. The band keeps me busy, though. Oh, well, hey, you know, listen, I know this sounds kind of crazy, but uh, I'm kind of tired of this bar all of a sudden. How would you like a tour of the city lights? I don't even know you, though. Oh, I'm sorry. My name is Valentino Federico Ferrari. Oh, that's a nice name. Sounds like a name you could trust. Okay, well, Mr. Ferrari, I'll go see the city lights with you. Baby, we're going to have a ball. So it seems like Heaven Can Help was the beginning and end of Jinx Dawson's acting career. And, you know, this is another story where I have no idea how Jinx Dawson managed to make a living and keep going. But 20 plus years later, in 2007, she announced on her MySpace page that she and the other original members of Coven we're getting back together, and we're going to record a new album. But then, it never happened. But in 2008, Dawson did put out a collection of previously unreleased Coven material called Metal Goth Queen. The first Coven album is still kind of a cult classic, so it's had multiple reissues, and I guess Jinx Dawson managed to retain the rights to that album, so good for her and she put another version of coven together which she has toured with i think she started touring in 2016 maybe with her new version of coven and i think she's still performing now so it took her a long time to get back into the rock and roll game but now she's doing it again so keep an eye out for the new version of coven to come to your town uh, but that's the story of Jinx Dawson and Coven, the first satanic rock and roll band. In the name of Satan, the ruler of Earth, the king of Earth, the chief of the serfs, I command the forces of darkness to bestow their infernal power upon us. Save us! Lord Satan, from the treacherous and the violent. Oh, Satan, spirit of the earth, god of liberty, 
open wide the gates of hell and come forth from the abyss by these names. Satan! Satan! Beelzebub! Beelzebub! Leviathan! Leviathan! Asmodeus! Asmodeus! Abaddon! Abaddon! achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. 
Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.